This is the Shopify Dropify, hosted by The Cut. I think the biggest thing when I'm talking to people who have an e-commerce store and are starting to think about their shipping is just don't get overwhelmed by it. Well, I think what we've seen is that people have realised how important their shipping is and making sure that they're using the right type of shipping for their product and their company and their customers as well. I think the main things you need to think about are what volume are you going to be sending? What are the costs involved with that? How quickly do you want your products to get there? And how much time have you got personally to spend on it? Hello, this is the Shopify Dropify, your e-commerce podcast presented by the Shopify specialists at The Cut. The people at The Cut help traditional retailers start selling online and existing e-commerce businesses to improve customer engagement and sales. In this episode, Ben talks to Sophie Stott, GM at QuickMail, a shipping and third-party logistics provider. If you have problems shipping your goods and have questions about your best shipping and fulfilment options, Sophie answers a ton of questions right here. Listen in to learn lots. Hello and welcome back to the Shopify Dropify. My name's Ben. Uh, I'm your host and a director at The Cut. And today I'm talking to Sophie Stott from QuickMail. She's coming to us from all the way on the other side of Perth. Thanks for joining us, Sophie. Thanks for having me, Ben. Really good to have you here. Um, we've had a connection with you guys for a little while and you've been a great supporter of our meetups, which is awesome. So it's really cool to have you on the podcast. Can you introduce yourself and give us an overview of QuickMail, please? Sure. QuickMail's our family business. We've been around since 1992. My dad started the business and it was really a traditional mail house. Um, but over the past probably 10 years, we've been transitioning to offering third-party logistics services as well. Um, and that's Awesome. And what do you mean by traditional mail? You mean like, you know, packaged letters and parcels and... That's right. So we've got big machines that can fold and insert items into envelopes, plastic wrapping, um, all sorts of sending of any types of mail that need to get sent out. But obviously, the numbers of mail have decreased over the past few years. And so a lot of that would be marketing, marketing materials that are going out into people's letterboxes. Yeah, and traditionally as well, a lot of transactional mail, so your, your phone bills and synergy and, and electricity and so on. So those, obviously those bills most people are getting via email now. So we so saw that that, that was changed, you've, Yeah, you've evolved into e-commerce and uh, and helping um, you know deliver deliver parcels, as you said, fulfil deliveries in in that sector. Definitely. So I took over as the managing director in two thousand and seven. Sorry, no, I started in the business in 2007. I took over as the managing director a couple of years ago, and uh, since I took over as the managing director, we really have um, honed our focus on the. 3PL side of things. So that's pick, pack, ship, um, any sort of items, particularly for e-commerce businesses. Because that's a part of e-com that can get pretty onerous and overwhelming once the orders start to flow in, can't it? Certainly, yeah. Some people, um, you know, can have upward of 100 orders a day. And so you, you need to have someone who can assist you with that. And we're certainly here to do that. Absolutely. And um, what's your role there? What are you doing day to day at QuickMail? Uh, so managing director for the past couple of years and that really for me has been um, creating new business and and really transitioning the business, pivoting it into the 3PL space. That's so been you've been taking driving up a lot that of my yourself. <laughs> that's you've right. You've been driving yeah. that transition yourself. Uh-huh, yeah, that's yes. awesome. Yeah. yeah, awesome, awesome. Well, I think it's uh, obviously there's growth there, and and ecom uh, is a growing, a growing, a growing sector for everyone, isn't it? Sure is. Yeah, we're certainly seeing numbers increasing, and uh, and people 
making the most of opportunities, particularly at the moment. Yeah, completely. So we like to start these things off with one big learner. So can you share something valuable right here? Like what would be the best and highest value insight you could share on e-commerce shipping for the Shopify merchants that listen in here? I think the biggest thing when I'm talking to people who have an e-commerce store and are starting to think about their shipping is just don't get overwhelmed by it. There are a lot of options and you need to choose something and start it and work from there and then improve it. It's really important to keep communicating with your customers regarding your shipping, but the biggest thing would be don't get overwhelmed. Choose something that looks good, make a start and refine it and and grow it and change it from there. Absolutely. Very good, very good advice. And I guess you can help people not feel overwhelmed by, by giving them advice and guidance and helping them sort of educate them? We sure can. We have a fair bit of experience in in this space so we can help people think about their shipping policies, their returns policies, um, their packaging. All those types of things are really important. But as I say, the most important thing is just get started and, uh, and, and learn as you go. Very good advice. Very good advice. So until recently, let's say two months ago, um, I was asking people what they thought of 2020 and being in a new decade. And now that question has a totally <laughs> different spin to it for obvious reasons. Can can you share your own um, experience of, of COVID-19 and, and how you're seeing it, I guess, affect the e-commerce and maybe particularly the, the shipping and 3PL landscape? Sure. Uh, so, yes, it is strange times and certainly at QuickMail we're busier than ever. Um, obviously, logistics is an essential business. So, for us, there's been absolutely no working from home. All our staff have been coming in. I've actually put on additional staff in this time. Um, but obviously, in terms of individual businesses, I think it depends on the type of business as to how they've been affected. So we've got over 30 e-commerce companies that we do fulfilment and distribution for. Some have seen an increase in this time, some not so much. So obviously those that might have been selling through retail stores probably have seen a decrease because people aren't getting out into the shops as much. But those that are selling direct to people, we have some customers who uh, have medical supplies and hand soap. So obviously their their sales have gone up significantly. Yeah, of course, there's a lot of different stories, isn't there? That's right. So I think everyone has been affected in a different way. Uh, But certainly for us, there's been no working from home. (laughs) <laughs> no, I hadn't. I hadn't actually thought of that, but that makes complete sense. You can't. Uh, you can't uh, pick and pack from uh, from home. You have to be in the warehouse, don't you? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've heard uh, a lot of stories ourselves and, and have clients who have experienced different levels of things. And I'm constantly hearing different stories about, I guess, mostly, I don't know why, but mostly it's about the sectors that have been experiencing like growth around it, you know, anything from bike shops um, to, as you said, medical supplies are the obvious ones, but also, you know, gardening supplies, um, games, educational assistance, home office products. There's, there's a a lot of lot of categories that you may not sort of think of initially that have actually benefited from COVID, and um, that's certainly not to not to trivialise what's going on, and it's certainly hit a lot of businesses very hard and, and given us all some challenges. But it is really interesting to see how it affects different business sectors for sure. Yeah, definitely. 
And what sort of, I mean, I mean, right now in WA we're sort of starting to see, um, you know, as you and I are speaking right now, early May, we're starting to see some, some rollback um, of the restrictions. What, what sort of longer-term changes do you think this will bring into your sector in terms of shipping and e-commerce that might continue on after the virus is a distant memory? Well, I think what we've seen is that people have realised how important their shipping is and making sure that they're using the right type of shipping for their product and their company and their customers as well. So yes. um, I think some, t- some people will revisit that and, and certainly what we've seen during this time is that some people have changed the way that they're sending their shipping. So whether they stay with that change or go back to what they were doing previously will be interesting. I think also that what's happened is people have realised that they need to have the ability to trade when unexpected things happen. So they may change the structure of their businesses to make sure that they can do that. So, for example, we didn't shut down over this time. We could continue to send all of our clients items out. Um, You want to make sure that you're in a situation where you can make sure that your, your orders can get shipped out. Or perhaps have the flexibility to de- deploy a contingency plan right. if, yeah. if something like this does happen again or, you know, I guess people have a lot more understanding about what it takes to, to pivot and, and change and adjust around their shipping when something unusual like this does happen. And I think that's what we've seen. Some of the people that have been the most successful have been able to pivot quite quickly. So yeah. um, run from yeah. being able to sell things in stores to very quickly going online and being able to sell their, their products directly to consumers. So, yeah, yeah. it's really, really important to be able to make quick change. Completely. And I guess this sort of thing focuses the mind sometimes on, on where the weak spots or the vulnerabilities might be. For sure. Mm. So um, you you sort of uh, mentioned to me that you would like to talk uh, about shipping strategies and in the lead up to this, I guess, you sort of finally tuned to, to looking at 3PL content. But I think I saw on LinkedIn the other day that, that shipping is one of the top two sort of pain points or at least areas of question and uncertainty for e-commerce businesses. And and I suppose, you know, a place where a lot of merchants have have not much understanding. Can you help people out by explaining the three main strategies for charging out shipping? Sure. Okay. So, so as I see it, there's three main strategies. The first one is free shipping. And obviously, that's great because it sounds good and it attracts customers. But the reality is that someone's paying for that shipping. It's either going to be borne by the company or by the customer. So it's either added for the product or the the company's carrying that themselves. But um, it is is a good way to attract customers. So It's a common incentive, isn't it, the free shipping one? It's it's very, very widely used. But obviously, as you say, there's no such thing as as free and either the merchant is paying that themselves or they've um, they've added that cost into the product cost or a portion of it to to cover and and hedge their bets or, you know, cover cover that running expense. That's right. And what, what you'll find quite often is that merchants will offer free shipping for purchases over a certain amount. So it might be yes. purchases over 100 get free shipping. So that's a great way to try and get people to increase their minimum spend. So Completely. you might be on a, on, a, on a store and thinking, oh, I like that pair of shoes, I'll buy that and it's $80. Um, oh, if I buy a second pair, 
I'll get free shipping. Well, I'll, I'll just throw in a second pair. So that is a good way to um, to encourage people to spend a bit more in in your store is to have, have a, a set rate where the free shipping kicks in. Yeah. And the way that I would suggest people would work that out is to look at what their average spend is and make free shipping slightly above what that that amount would be. Yeah, great advice. The second uh, option is is flat rate shipping. So this is where you charge customers a fixed shipping amount. Um, obviously, that can be difficult when you're sending multiple um, weighted items. So you might send some parcels that are 500 grams and some parcels that are five kilos. That that yeah. can have an impact. But from the front of store um, aspect, having a flat shipping rate makes it really easy for your customers. Um, you what you'll find with a flat shipping rate is that you won't always cover your shipping costs on every single order, but you will cover it on some. And what you want to make sure is that the total across a month or a week works out in your benefit. So It's about an average. It's averaging right. it all out, isn't it? That's it. And that's one of the things yeah. I say to, to everyone is don't look at individual shipping costs. Really, you should look at it as a whole because there are so many variables and you are going to be shipping from local. So if you're shipping from WA, you might be shipping a certain percentage that are going into the metro WA market, but then you'll have some that are going eastern states metro and some that are going eastern states country. Yeah, And that brings me to really the third option is real-time carrier rates. So what that means is you charge your customer the exact shipping rate based on the destination and the delivery choice that they're making. So is it express, is it regular post, how much does it weigh and where is it going? So I guess that gives the customer control, doesn't it? They can decide if they want it quickly or if they're happy to pay less and wait a little bit longer, those sorts of things. But it's a real, it's a real, it's a real cost. You're on charging the actual That's cost. That's right. And what you'll find is not every platform will allow you to be able to do that. So it needs to be something that your software can handle. Um, sure. And it also may turn some customers away. It means that your local customers are going to like you more and the, and the ones that are further away are going to have to pay more. So it really is a strategy that you need to consider. Um, my, my preference in all of this is flat rate shipping plus free shipping when it's over a certain amount. I think that's the best way to do it and just yeah, make sure okay. at the end of the week or the month that you are not losing on your postage. Yeah, that's really, really good advice. Um, so in, in the beginning you were talking about, you know, people not being overwhelmed and, and sort of making a decision. So let's get a bit of advice from you about, you know, who to use and how to choose a supplier apart from the obviously awesome choice of using QuickMail um, for e-commerce shipping and 3PL. Yes. What should people be thinking about when they're choosing a shipping provider, when they're at that point of, of starting up or maybe they're looking at changing provider, you know, what are the key factors that they should be considering to make the best decision for their business and the products they're shipping? I think the main things you need to think about are what volume are you going to be sending? What are the costs okay. involved with that? How quickly do you want your products to get there? And and how much time have you got personally to spend on it? Um, and, and how technically minded are you? They're the main 
aspects that I think you need to consider. Then from there, you would say, well, okay, I can use just one provider. So the benefits of using one provider, for example, say Australia Post or Sendal, is that the more you put through one provider, the bigger discounts you're potentially going to get from them. Sure. So there's um, obviously a a range of... um, of providers you can use. I mean, Australia Post, the one good thing about Australia Post is they will deliver everywhere. You can deliver to PO boxes, you can go to regional, you can go to to rural, you can go to metro. Uh, Obviously, there are issues with Australia Post. We don't need to go into those. Then you can choose your other other providers, Sendal, DHL, TNT. They can't deliver to PO boxes, so that can be an issue. Um, Okay. And then they've obviously got benefits that you, in terms of their individual speed and 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 um, options available for each of those providers. Sure. And when you're talking about the you know time or, or technical proficiency that, that a merchant or an e-com business owner might or might not have, that's I guess you're referring to the amount yeah. the amount of the of the shipping and fulfilment you hand over to a provider because you can hand it hand it over lock stock, can't you? Or you can hand over certain parts of it. That's right. Yeah. And look, some some shipping providers will pick up from you, so that's a great option. Is Every day at, at 1 o'clock, they'll come and pick up all of your orders from you. So that's great. Yes. So in terms of using one provider or you can go and use multiple providers and, the, and the, that's great because then if you're sending international, you can choose whoever's going to be best for international and then whoever's going to be best for domestic. So, But they're obviously you're not bundling all of that um, cost together to get the maximum available discounts that you could p- potentially get. There I guess are. you're taking a sort of a more micromanaged, I guess, flexible approach where you're looking for savings on a case-by-case case basis. That's right, and almost. there's work involved in doing that because every time an of order course. comes in, you need to then go, well, how much is it going to cost using this provider or using that provider and then change your systems accordingly. So, again, it does come down to how much time you've got to do that and the margins involved in your products and how much you can afford to to reasonably charge for shipping because uh, obviously on a lower margin product or a lower price point product, you, you can't charge as much shipping. But where something is worth more money, then uh, it, it makes it easier to build that into the price of the product. The yeah, other completely. option for shipping is, is using a shipping aggregator and there are plenty of shipping aggregators available out there and they will do a lot of this work for you online So and, and certainly with Shopify and, and some of the other uh, e-commerce platforms out there, they've got APIs that link you to these kind of things like um, ShipIt and uh, Starship It and different um, aggregators that are available as well. So, so there are a lot of options in just in terms of the shipping that you can use. Yep. Obviously, the fourth one there is is to use um, a 3PL, a third-party logistics provider who does the picking and packing and the shipping. The benefit that you get there is that they would have large volumes of mail parcels going through their system, so they should have good rates. Um so that's just a matter of negotiating those rates with each individual 3PL company. And good and good systems and, and reliable well, that's systems. It. They do have all the systems set up so that they can link with everything, get tracking numbers very quickly and so on. And that's where you're really talking about, you know, handing it all over lock, stock and two smoking barrels. Yeah, sure. And uh, that yeah. suits some people really well 
and yep. it doesn't for others and, and individual people need to look at that for themselves. Uh, if it's taking you hours of your day and you can't go on a holiday, then something you might need to look at is outsourcing your fulfilment and distribution. Yeah, completely. I mean, I guess that idea of, 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 hand, of having the whole process of picking and packaging and, and sending and, and uh, shipping to sit to two or three PL leads us into the idea of, of packaging. Can you can you share some guidance around you know packaging goods for sending? Yeah, sure. Or what should business owners be thinking about when they're deciding how to package their products? I mean, there's a big part in the customer experience there because it's it's the actual object they're receiving on their on their front doorstep and what that looks like uh, and there's obviously as well I guess practical factors to consider so can you have a talk about about the packaging side of things sure packaging's really important it's got it's got so many aspects to it um, so for, firstly uh, keep it simple and as light as possible so yep. generally you'll pay for your postage. Uh, or you um, through as a dead weight, sometimes a cubic weight, but uh, for us certainly at QuickMail it's all dead weight, so that's the actual okay. physical weight. Uh, and you want to stay under the weights as much as possible. So uh, the light packaging is really important yeah. while still making sure that you're protecting whatever is in, in, the, uh, in the package. Sure. So there's a balancing act there, but obviously weight weight will always determine cost in shipping. Yeah, weight and destination really are the two biggest things. Completely. Um, the it's also really important, and we're finding it more and more, is to consider the environmental issues. Yes. And I think that a lot of that is a customer perception versus a cost. So it's important. People want to see that you're not using too much plastic, or that you're using biodegradable. Um, there are so many options out there, but again, you need to consider the cost of that. Um, yes. So, and that really comes down to how you've branded your your, your products and and your store. Uh, for some retailers and and e-commerce owners, it's very very important. For others, not so much. So, they're, yeah, they're individual decisions and. Certainly there are a lot of packaging companies out there and, and different options and it really is important to go and look at the different sizes of boxes or the types of satchels that you use. And I guess as you say, it needs to be a match with your brand. If you're, let's say, for example, selling you know organically certified skincare, well then your community of customers are going to expect, expect something that, that looks and feels green and environmentally friendly and probably displays those credentials, um, whereas something that's a little more, I guess, you know, faster and, and looser or, you know, a bit yeah. more hard-edged, isn't, it's not going to be so important and they can, they can choose, choose a different alternative. Yeah, and that really brings us to the unboxing experience as well. So, do your customers care about the unboxing experience? And what I mean by that is when they receive the product, is it an event for them to open that box and get what's in it? And do you want them to take a photo and upload it to your Instagram and your Facebook pages? Or Absolutely. is it not so important you just want to make sure the product gets there, they open it up and throw, throw the packaging in the bin? So, um, again, that's something we work with our individual clients to make sure that they're getting the type of unboxing experience that, that they are looking for from their customers. And that can be everything from putting a sticker on there that brands it or having pre-made packaging. Obviously, there's costs involved in that, but um, each individual um, retailer can make those decisions for themselves. But it's really important to think about those things. 
completely. And that comes back to, to brand and the people they're sending it out to and, and what they're sending to them as to where those decisions will give, you know, the the, 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 the right solution will fall out of those That's factors, right. won't it? And, and yeah. we find that, you know, some of these people that really the unboxing experience is really important, they'll actually ask people to take a photo and they'll run competitions. So for them it is really important to, to, to make sure that their products arrive looking amazing. And then, and then the packaging itself becomes part of their marketing content That's very right. literally. Yes. And, the ability, and, and encouraging those people to post photos because they love the packaging or the experience of unboxing, it, it becomes something that brings them more customers. So sure it would be, in that case, worth the extra cost. But not every group of customers is going to be going to be doing that. No, that's right. And and the other thing we're seeing a bit more of is, is can that packaging be repurposed? So what I mean by that is can you reuse it if the person wants to return the items? And that's becoming particularly more relevant for um, items where there's a sizing involved. So let's say someone's buying a pair of jeans, they they try them on, they don't fit, they want to send them back to get the, the different size. Can you repurpose that packaging so they can resend it back to you? Um, or can they use that packaging for something else? So that's important yeah, okay. to, all in terms of the environmental and, um, and costs involved. I'm sure we'll see some uh, interesting innovations around that sort of space and ideas around reusing uh, reusing packaging, but maybe both at the consumer end and back at the uh, at the at the e-commerce businesses end. Yeah. Um, and so, obviously, like with shipping, there's there's you know as with all of e-commerce, there's a bunch of of I guess terms and condition it. Terms and conditions, the legals, the policies that revolve around that. C- can you give our e-com community some? guidance around the most important things to consider when putting together a shipping policy? Yeah, I think it's important that people have a shipping policy on their website and certainly yes. what we've seen with the COVID-19 um, current situation is that people have had to change their shipping policies because we've seen delays, quite significant delays uh, with all shipping. So that becomes part of, you know, the main page of their website now, whereas before it, it might have been something that people didn't really look at, but it, but it is yeah, really absolutely. important. So the main yeah. things that we think people should include in their shipping policies are a processing time. It's important that people know how quickly you think you're going to send the item out. So do you ship immediately or is there a lag time between when the order's placed and an order arrives or if there's a processing time, let the customers know. Yep. Uh, insurance. Is it is there any insurance in um, included? Uh, obviously, if it's a high end or one of a kind type item, then it it would be important, and you might need to let customers know, and and you may need to charge them for that. And that's to protect the customer that. that insurance, isn't it? That's right. So, to if something happens to that product when it's being shipped. Um, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. If something goes amiss during transit. That's right. So that might be something you as a retailer want to um, to add and, and not let the customer know about that. But if it doesn't arrive, at least then you're compensated or it can be something yeah. that you um, offer customers as well. Yeah, completely. Um, it's important to have something in there about returns. Do you accept returns? Are there any conditions? You need to have a really clear policy on what returns you accept and who pays for the shipping of those returns. Um, Again, as I sort of mentioned in the beginning, I think uh, it's better to just start with these things and and then 
as you maybe experience an issue or a query from a client, you just continually um, update your shipping policies, your return policies. It's never going to be perfect from day dot. And sometimes what sure. I see is people try and overthink it. They're better off yeah. just getting it done and then seeing how things roll. And every customer um, that we have in terms of our different e-commerce stores, they all have different issues that they might see depending on their products. So it is important to just start. <laughs> yeah, completely. I think that's really good advice. It does get it does feel a little bit intimidating because it, it's official, you know, it's a policy, it's potentially sort of legal, but um, at the end of the day, it's a, it's a lot of it's around communication and managing the expectation of your customers, isn't it? Yeah, sure. So what else? Well, the other things we sort of recommend in terms of the shipping policies is a, a notification time. And this is really um, how long from receiving the package does a customer have to tell you that their order is damaged or wrong? Is it three days? Is it two weeks? Because sometimes you'll okay. find after a month someone might come back and you so you need yeah, to make sure. those decisions for yourself depending on the type of product that you have. But you yeah. need to make sure that the customer knows that it's their responsibility for checking the goods when they receive them and to let you know within a certain amount of time. Yes, absolutely. That makes sense. This is a really basic one, but it is one we see. The customer needs to know how to contact you. Um, make it easy for a customer to contact you with any issues and it um, really does help you in the long run because people get quick responses and then they're much less likely to get on social media and write negative comments about your company. <laughs> yes, which no one wants. Uh the other thing you can ask is um, do they require a signature on delivery or can the items be delivered to a safe place? Um, so uh, obviously that is also going to depend on the cost of the item and um, how much um, the... What it's, what it's worth. That's right, yeah, how much it's worth and whether, you know, if it gets left and stolen, uh, how much of an issue that is. We don't see yeah, it happen very be, often yeah. at all, but sometimes parcels do go missing. Yeah, and I guess a lot of that comes down to the individual location of, of the person's home. Like, are they in a high-risk suburb or is it all very safe and, and protected? And that's a decision they, they want to make. And, I mean, I've, I'm familiar with, with it where they, they you give them the options, you know, leave with receptionists, leave at front door, leave in a safe place, or you sometimes you can even enter in, you know, custom instructions for how you want it left if no one is there to answer the door, for example. That's right. And, look, the other thing is important to consider – are you sending dangerous goods or prohibited products? Some people don't realise, but honey, perfume, spray cans, they can't be sent through the mail. So uh, it is important when you're really early on in setting up an e-commerce store that you think about these things because I've had customers come to us that pretty much have a product and then they realise they can't ship it by mail. So that changes the whole strategy of how they're then going to um, run their business. Honey is an interesting one. Why cannot that be shipped? By, I think uh, because by it can't mark. go over state borders. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Okay, so there's no way around that if if you've got a, a honey product. Uh, I th it can't go by mail. So I'm oh, sure if it goes through quarantine, it, you can bring it across borders. But um, you, you don't quote me on this, but that, that's my understanding of it. Certainly yeah, no, things like perfume and spray cans, they're, they're different issues. But with honey, because, um, you know, if you're on a plane, you, you can't bring fruit and, and honey across the border because of issues with um, biosecurity. 
Yes, okay, no problem, I understand. Yeah, our honey just jumped out at me um, for mm. a number of reasons. It's an unusual product, but uh, I, w- I wouldn't have automatically, I would have just classed it as another food product. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Um, so let's talk about some sort of, I guess, more general shipping e-commerce um, guidance from you and, and the quick mail team, Sophie. Well, when you meet an e-com business owner, what, what's the best shipping advice you start with normally, do you think? Well, I think I've said it a couple of times already. Don't get overwhelmed. Don't overcomplicate it. Just start somewhere. Um, Start simple. Yeah, get some advice from some people that have been in in the industry and start simple and do what's right for you because quite often what I find is that someone who's got quite a small store is worried about returns and how they're going to manage them. But the reality is the percentage of returns they're going to get is so small that it really is not something that they need to think about. Um, or spend so much time thinking about. So that's really been something I've noticed with the, the people that I've spoken to. Yeah, that's really. I think it's really good advice, and it's good to come back to it too, because it is the sort of area where you feel like there's so many different moving parts, and you, you can get a bit overwhelmed. But I think start simple and, and and make a start soon, and then and then evolve it from there. That's right. Um, what's the single most important part of the e-commerce ecosystem that a that a Shopify or a, an online store owner should never ignore? I think that it's really important to look after stock control. So yeah. making sure you know how much stock you have, uh, when you're getting more stock, how quickly you're going to sell out. Because what if you've got a product that's just booming and doing really well, you just don't want to run out of it because it really can um, well, it obviously stops sales dead in their tracks and then it's working out whether you want to do back orders and so on. But it, it, stock control is just so important. Also, you don't want to sell a product that you don't have because then you have to go back to a client and tell them, I'm sorry, I haven't got those shoes in that size. Yes. So, um, and, and potentially that's a lost sale. And maybe a lost customer for life. That's right. And, and, and that leads me on to, you know, the, the, the second, well, one of the other really important parts is communication, just continually talking to your customers. I really find that if you talk to people, even if, if something's not gone exactly to plan, if you talk to them and let them know what's happened, you'll generally end up with, with, with a customer that um, trusts you and is, is, wants to work with you. Yeah, and that's just about being transparent, and, and it's not not we're not talking literally talking. We're talking communicating with whether it's a it's a it's a message or an email to keep them in touch, keep them in the loop, um, manage their expectations, and be very clear about what's going on. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. What What are the two most common mistakes you see Shopify store owners making? Okay, I think the first one is getting the wrong advice on setting up their store. So really, they need to make sure they get the right people to build their store from the get go, and, oh, and where that, that well, I know some people. Do you? Yeah, good. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think for us, what we see is that if someone set up, say, a Shopify store, there's certain things as a third party uh, supplier in, um, that we need done in that store. So it it is important that when you set up the store, you know whether you're going to use a fulfilment hub or whether you're going to be packing it yourself. Um, You understand about bundling. So bundling can cause issues in terms of when you're using a fulfilment house because they need to know which items to pick. So just getting the right advice I think is really important when setting up your store. 
Absolutely right. Well, you can give plenty of great advice and so can we and we're always happy to and we always are talking to people to help them out and help them understand more. Um, So looking down the, uh, I won't say down the barrel, but looking into the future of the rest of 2020 to sort of, I guess, come back to the whole COVID thing, how do you see the e-commerce landscape changing on the other side of C19? Can you take a look into your crystal ball for us? Yeah, I've thought about this a lot and I think that humans will tend to go back to the way that they've always done things. So, yep. But in saying that, I do think that people, there's people right now that have learnt to shop online that never used to. Yes. So the job of the e-commerce store owner is to keep them shopping at your store. Yeah. So that's marketing and making sure that you've got relevant products um, and just making the most out of what I really think has been an opportunity um, to, to encourage more people to shop online. So uh, certainly I've bought things online that I didn't used to buy online. So um, those retailers need to now try and keep me shopping online. Um, and I suppose it's Absolutely. flip side if, if you're um, a bricks and mortar store. So there's um, – but, but I do think that um, a lot of people will go back to what they were doing, but a lot of people have also learnt to shop online through this these strange times. Yeah. I think it's brought new people into the into the online shopping space who weren't there before. And as you said yourself, it's it's introduced new shopping categories to the people that are already buying online. It will be very interesting to see what sort of um, you know retention there is of those new adopters and how, how many are going to stay. I think most people that we, I've talked to about this sort of say, you know, COVID has actually accelerated the growth in e-commerce and the shift from uh, bricks and mortar to online shopping. Mm. Um, will will that sort of some of that drop back to normal? Yeah, well, of course it will, but I think the chances are that there'll be a fairly solid percentage of people that will stay and, and be newly converted to shopping online because at the end of the day so much of it comes to, to, to convenience and if they've had a decent experience and saved time and it's been easier and maybe cheaper... I think they a lot of those people won't won't go back to their old way. And I think the other thing as well is a lot of people say, well, with everything we're going through with COVID, we need to shop locally, so don't shop online. That sure. doesn't actually work for me in every way because you can shop online and still be shopping locally. <laughs> exactly right, yeah. So I couldn't agree more. You can still shop online but buy from local companies because um, we've got a number of e-commerce stores here and they're family-owned, small businesses that are just like a bricks-and-mortar store that are putting money into the West Australian economy, but they are an online store. So so this blanket don't shop online, buy local, isn't always correct. No, I completely agree. I mean, you know, 90% or more of the clients we work with in e-commerce are, are here in, in person, Western Australia, and, um, you know, some are interstate. But, uh, and a lot of those are selling, or at least a good handful of those are selling internationally. So they're actually taking, you know, taking their businesses to the, from, from WA to international markets via e-commerce. That's so, right. We have a lot of those customers here working with us. And, and it's great and it's really exciting and we, we love helping them grow their business. It's, uh, it's what gets us all out of bed every day, help them grow their, grow their businesses, yeah. 
Absolutely. Um, I think that is a very, very good and positive and interesting note to uh, wrap up this episode of the Shopify Dropify. So a huge thank you to you, Sophie. It's been really cool having you on, really nice to chat, um, even though we're not not face-to-face still, although I think probably that we'll be back to physical meetings and um, in-person interviews soon. But, yeah, thanks heaps to you and and the team at QuickMail for, yeah, sharing your insights and your time today. Thank you so much for having me chat to you. Really enjoyed it. Thanks for listening. If you need help with your Shopify store or want to know more about selling online with Shopify, call Ben and Scott at The Cut. They are here to help. Please share this podcast with your colleagues and friends. We are dropping new episodes all the time. And if you want to share your own stories or you're an e-commerce expert yourself, come and guest on this podcast. Contact The Cut or visit thecut.net.au to make it happen. Shopify till you dropify. Thanks for listening. Access e-commerce expertise from The Cut anytime. Visit thecut.net.au and connect on Facebook and LinkedIn.